So how can we effectively influence people? But before attempting to answer this question, how can we effectively influence people, we have to first ask this question, why do I even want to influence people? Why should I care what other people think, what other people do? Why would I want to impact other people? So often we think that we need to influence people to ensure that they like us. How do we get people to like us or respect us or help us to do things we need to do ourselves for ourselves, help us do things for us? So it's really about ourselves. How can we get people to like us? How can we get people to do things for us? Today, there's a whole different category of influencing people. If you influence people, you can make money on it. You could go on LinkedIn and become an influencer, and then somehow that can bring you. People will pay to read your book or hear your speeches, and you can that way turn it into an income. But that is a very selfish form of trying to influence people. How can I influence people to like me, to help me, to do things for me? That's really about how can I better, um, how can I get other people to help me? And that is sometimes necessary, but that's not what I want to address today. Today I want to talk about another type of influencing and impacting other people. Why do you want to influence and impact people? Because we want to change people. We want to change their beliefs, their values, their behavior. You want people to be better. Not just, I want to be better, I want other people to be better. I want them to have better beliefs, have better values, and better behavior. Is it my business to change other people? Should I be changing other people's values or behaviors if it doesn't impact myself? So we live in a society that has been built on liberty, and part of the liberty values of the society that we live in is what they call live and let live. I should live myself. I should not bother others. Other people should not bother me. I'll do my own thing. You do your own thing. I'll do whatever I want. You do whatever you want. Judaism does not agree with that value at all. We believe that it is not only my resp our responsibility to make sure that each one of us do the right thing. We have a responsibility to ensure that every other person does the right thing as well. We cannot live and let live. We must make sure every other person does the right thing. When our ancestors stood at Mount Sinai and made a covenant with God, we made a covenant that we would follow, God would give us the Torah, we would become his chosen people, and we would follow his commandments. It wasn't just a personal covenant that every individual made a deal with God, but it was a national one. As a nation, we made a covenant with God. We guaranteed that not only I will follow God's commandments, but each person at Mount Sinai guaranteed that they and their descendants, us, will ensure that every other Jew will follow God's commandments as well. 
In other words, it is not only my responsibility to do the right thing, it is my responsibility to ensure that every other Jew does the right thing as well. And if somebody else messes up, it is not just their problem, it is my problem too. And repeatedly in the Torah we find this, that one person messes up and everyone gets blamed. 3,000 people worship the golden calf. God says, I'm going to destroy the entire people. They are all at fault. Everybody is blamed for the actions of a few. In the book of Joshua, we are told that there was one man who stole from the forbidden spoils of Jericho. His name was Acha. And God tells Joshua, the nation of Israel have sinned and rebelled against me, and therefore I, my presence won't be found among them. Only one person had done something wrong, and nobody even knew about it. He did it secretly, and everybody is responsible. We believe that every one of us is responsible for everybody else. And that is why one of our 613 commandments is rebuke your fellow. You see someone else doing something, or you see even, they're not doing anything wrong, but there's a way they can improve. It is my responsibility to ensure that they improve. Each one of us have a responsibility for every other person. And it is not only our fellow Jews who are all part of the same covenant together that we have a responsibility for. We each have a responsibility for everybody in the world. Isaiah mentions multiple times how God has made us a or legoyim, a light to the nations. It is our job to influence and impact the other people, non-Jews around us, and make sure that they have the right values, and they have the right behavior, and they act properly. Now the truth is that what other people do is not only our responsibility, but it does impact us. Every action of every other person impacts everyone around them. No one lives in a vacuum. No one lives alone. And everything that we do does not only influence myself. It influences everybody around us. Think of ourselves living in a social environment. One person does, it's an environment, it's a web. Everything impacts everything else. And so one person does something, it will impact the whole environment. It will impact everybody else around them. So we do, what we do does impact everyone. But therefore, but not only because of that, we have a responsibility first and foremost to our fellow Jews to ensure that everybody is doing not just the right thing, but the very best they can. Not only do I have to make sure I'm doing the best I can, but everybody around me is doing the best they can. But also I have an, a, a jump to every single person on earth to make sure not only they are doing the right thing, but everyone is doing the best that they can. So we definitely have a moral and ethical obligation and a mitzvah to influence and impact other people. How do you do that? 
So when the Torah gives us the command, hocheach tochiach, to rebuke people who are doing wrong, which is the general command that we're supposed to influence and impact other people, the Torah then continues, velotisa alav chet. Do not sin while doing so. And our sages explain that this means that you should only influence someone or attempt to influence someone in a way that will be effective. You cannot try to influence someone in a way that will be counterproductive. There are two different types of commandments of our 613. Some commandments, or most commandments, God commands us to perform a particular act. Wrap the tefillin. Hear the shofar being blown. Shake the lulav. Put a fence around your roof, if you have a flat roof that is used, to use some examples of some commandments. Honor your parents. There are certain mitzvahs where the mitzvah is a particular act that you are supposed to do. Maybe honor your parents doesn't fall in that category, but the other ones do. Then there are certain mitzvahs where it's not about a particular act. The mitzvah is about the result. For example, it's a mitzvah to give charity, tzedakah. But when giving charity, if you give charity to somebody in a way that you did not help them at all, Say you gave them a coin that they cannot use because it's not proper tender. Then you didn't do a mitzvah. Didn't help them. You didn't do the mitzvah of tzedakah. And if you give charity, if you helped somebody without intending to do so, you dropped a coin and someone found it. And they were poor. And now they're able to, now they have food, they have money to buy food. You did the mitzvah. Because it's not about what you did, like wrapping tefillin or hearing the chauffeur, it's about the result. It's the result that matters. It doesn't matter that you gave someone something. What matters with tzedakah is the result. The same is also with the mitzvah of hocheach tochiach, of trying to influence somebody. It's not about the attempt or the act that you did. It's about the result. So if you try to influence somebody, in a way that does not, is not effective, you didn't do the mitzvah. Not only that, if you influence someone in a way that is counterproductive, not only you didn't do the mitzvah, you made things worse. So say someone is doing something wrong, and you pointed out to them, and they maybe were unaware they were doing something wrong, and you pointed out to them, but in a way that they now are going to continue doing it in spite of what you said. So now they have gone from unintentionally doing something wrong to intentionally doing something wrong. And it's your fault, you're responsible for them doing worse than they were doing before. And even if they knew they were doing something wrong, and now you pointed out to them, they go from doing something wrong knowingly to doing something wrong after having been explicitly told not to do it, if they continue. So you've made it even worse. 
So if you try to influence somebody in a way that they're not going to listen to you, where your impact is going to be not effective, it's not only not effective, it becomes by definition counterproductive. So not only have you not done the mitzvah, you have done the opposite of the mitzvah. Not only have you not positively influenced another person, you have harmed them by making whatever they were doing even worse now that you've spoken to them or now that you've tried to impact them. So it's really important, crucial to this mitzvah, is when you influence somebody, you can only tell people things in a way that you expect them to listen to you. If you don't expect them to listen and you tell them, that's counterproductive. So how do you do that? How do you influence people? In a way that you'll really impact them. You'll really change them. So the most important way and most effective way to influence people is by saying nothing. By example. You live by example. Most important way you influence people is living by example. The Talmud says, if you tell someone to take a toothpick out of their teeth, they will retort to you, take the beam out from between your eyes. In other words, if you don't live up to what you're saying, no one is ever going to listen to you. So you can never tell someone something that you don't actually live by. Often we believe things and we don't live up to what we believe. That's very common. We call it hypocrisy and nobody likes hypocrites. But the reality is that most people in some way or another are hypocritical. In other words, we don't live up to our own beliefs for various reasons. We all have an evil inclination and we get tempted to do the wrong things that we don't believe in. But that's normal. But you cannot influence another person if you don't live like that. So nobody's going to even listen to you if you don't listen, if you don't live by it. But it's not even the words that you're saying that matter. It's how you live that creates an influence. King David in Psalm says, I was an example to the public. The way I impacted the public was living in a certain way. If you live a certain way and people see you, that is the greatest impact you have. And if you think about it, the greatest impact, the people who made the greatest impact on our lives were not people who said something that we said, wow, that is profound. I'm going to internalize that. The thing that made the greatest impact on ourselves, if you think about it, is always we saw the way a person acted. And we said, wow, look how they act. I want to be like that too. So the greatest way to influence people is not verbally. It is simply by acting in that way. And you know when you see that? You see that with children. How many times do you hear someone saying, I do this because my dad told me to do it. Or I do it because my mom told me to do it. You ever heard that? Nobody ever says that. But how often do you hear people saying, I do it because this is what my dad did, or I do it because this is what my mom did? Everyone does that. Everyone does things their parents did. 
Why? We emulate people. We copy the way people act. We don't follow what people say. You don't influence people by words as much as you influence simply by example. So we have an obligation to make a positive impact on other people. The best way to make a, a positive impact on people around us is simply by living a positive life. Living in the way that we believe we should live, that makes a positive impact. My wife always says now that my kids have become teenagers and she hears the kids sometimes saying, talking about their mother, that she does this or she says this. And she says, you know, till now, nobody ever looked at my life, or people did always, but I never felt like everything that I do is being watched and being copied. And now I see my kids, they are always everything I do is being copied. And it's true. Everything we do is being copied by our kids, but not just by our kids, by people around us. People see us. And so our actions is the greatest way that we influence other people. Live the life that you believe. Live the values you believe. Follow the commandments that God has given us. Other people will copy you just by example. We also, though, influence people by our words. Not in the same way, but we do influence people by our words, and it is important to use words and to speak in order to influence people. But how do you do that? So, many years ago, and I've told this story here before, my grandfather got his first job as a rabbi in Newark, New Jersey, back in the 1940s. And when he got his first position, he went to the previous Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, and he asked him for advice. How should I, how can I be an effective Rabbi? And so the Rebbe asked him, have you ever been to a Schwitzbad? A Schwitzbad is the Yiddish word for the Russian bathhouse, the, or the Russian saunas. So they had, they still have them apparently in Russia today, um, but they were common, the Eastern European Jews like them. Um, the Russian saunas. And apparently, and he had been, because he grew up in Poland, he had been um, in the Russian saunas. And apparently, I've never been to one, but apparently the way they work is you um, undress and you go, um, and you go into this very hot steam room that has many, many steps. And um, you walk up um, slowly, you go up one step, another step, another step, each one's, one's hotter than the next, until you get to the very top where it's very, very hot, and then there is somebody who stands there um, with a towel or with leaves, and they hit you. They, it's like a massage. They, they massage you um, by, by hitting you with them. So the Rebbe then asked him, what would happen if you met that same fellow on the street, and he took that towel, and he started to hit you with it? What would you do? He said, I'd probably hit it back. And so the Rebbe said, you see, before you hit somebody, first you have to lift them up. And you have to warm them up. When you lift them up and warm them up and then you start to hit them, they say, ah, and they ask for more. But if you hit them without warming them up and lifting them up, then they 
then they'll hit you right back. So there's two keys that I think are both expressed in this story to properly influence other people. The first is to lift them up. When you're trying to influence another people, another person, never put them down, never offend them. It's one of our 613 prohibitions is not to insult another person. Never speak to them in a condescending way, in an offensive way, in an accusatory way. If you accuse someone of doing something wrong, if you confront them, if you speak down to them, imply that you somehow know better than them, they will never listen to you. Nobody is going to listen to somebody who accuses them, who speaks down to them, who offends them. Why would you listen to somebody who does that to you? And that is why at the beginning of this week's Parsha, when Moshe speaks to the people and he wants to tell them off for all the different things that they did in the desert, they did a lot of bad things in the desert. He doesn't actually tell them what they did. He just alludes, he says, you did things here in this place, in that place, in that place. And he lists the different places where they were, where they did things wrong. But he doesn't say what they did. He says, just remember what happened here, what happened there, what happened there, so they could figure it out themselves. Why? Because if you confront someone and say, you did this, that's offensive. If you offend them, they're not going to listen to you. One should never speak bad to anyone, accuse them of doing something wrong, speak to them in an insulting way, in an offensive way. In fact, Maimonides, the Rambam, wrote a very famous letter known as Igeret Hashmad, um, where he speaks about how terrible it is to insult people and to try to, to put people down, even if you're trying to help them, put them, help them by putting them down somehow, it never works, and goes so far to say that various Jewish leaders who did put down their fellow Jews were punished for doing so. And he lists Moshe, Moses, who gets punished for speaking bad about Israel, um, Isaiah, Eliyahu, Hanavi, Elijah, who are each punished for insulting or speaking derog derogatorily about Israel. So if you speak to somebody in a negative condescending manner, you will not influence them. The first way to influence somebody is to praise them. Speak positively to them. Positive speech has a positive impact. You need to praise them. Tell them the good that they have done. Tell them how they can do even better. How they can improve. How what they can do better. The first step to influencing someone is to pick them up, raise them up. In fact, the Baal Shem Tov takes this a step further. He says, if you see someone as being bad or doing something bad, it's a reflection of bad in yourself. If you see a problem in another individual, it means it's a mirror of a problem in yourself. You're seeing your own problem within yourself. You have that same problem. That's why you notice it in others but it's a reflection of yourself. Now, how can that be? If some, what if someone really has a problem and you don't have that problem? So the Rebbe explains, it doesn't mean that it's 
other people cannot have problems that you don't have. But rather, if you see somebody else as having a problem, it means that you have a problem. If you see that somebody else has an opportunity for growth, that's a whole different story. When you look at somebody and say, oh, that's bad, they're no good, then that means you have a problem. If you look at somebody and say, wow, there's a way they can improve, I can help them improve, then that means that then you don't have a problem within yourself. So it's all about how you see another person. If you see them as bad, if you see them as having faults, it means you have a problem. It's a reflection of problems in yourself. You shouldn't even look at people in that way. Not only should you praise people because they'll listen to you when you praise them, and they won't listen to you when you insult them, but you should only see good in other people and see their faults as opportunities rather than seeing them as just bad. And if you see it in that way, then you'll honestly express it in that way. And that's how you influence them, by praising them, raising them up, improving, helping them and seeing it as a way that you can help them improve and show that you're here to help them. And then they'll listen to you. Yes, Rob? So does this philosophy like, get thrown out in the um, judicial system? Well, the judicial system needs to, there needs to be punishments for people who have done wrong in our society in order for, to discourage those who have done wrong, to help them improve. So, yes, in the judicial system, we don't, this is all on a personal, person-to-person -person basis. Judicial system does work a little differently. But then you can, once they're being punished, then you can work on Absolutely, we should work. If a person has suffered their punishment, the Talmud says, once a person has been punished, they should go back to society, back to where they started. So that's step one, lift them up. But then there is a second step. You have to warm them as well. People only listen to you when they recognize that you're not in it for yourself. If you're trying to build yourself by helping them or build yourself by putting them down, then why would anyone listen to you? You need to show the person who you're trying to influence or the people you're trying to influence that you truly care about them. You're not saying what you're saying or doing what you're doing for yourself, for your own, what today people like to call from the Club Scouts, brownie points, but you're doing it because you truly care about them. You have to empathize with them. You have to show you really understand them. You care for them. If you're only telling someone something for yourself, for your own points, in order to build your own career, in order to improve yourself, make yourself maybe more popular or more successful, why would anyone listen to you? People will only listen to you if you truly care about them and you show that you honestly care for them. And that is why Moshe, in this week's parsha, before telling Israel off and before helping them improve for what they have done, Moshe first reminds them how he helped them, what he did for them. He helped them conquer the lands of Sichon and Og. He helped them in battle against their enemies. He helped them begin the conquest of the promised land. He showed he truly cared for them. 
he truly cared about them. If you truly care about somebody, then they have reason to listen to you. But it really is even more than that. In the book of Tanya, it explains that it's a mistake to look at people as individuals. Because at our core, a person is not their body. A person is a soul. You look at the individual, you see a body, but the I behind the body, the individual is a soul. Who's I? Who am I? Not my head, not my heart, not my body. Who are you? Who am I speaking to? Who is I? It's my soul, a spiritual thing that you cannot see, you cannot tap into. So every individual, every person is a soul at their core. Now, the soul, while we feel like I am me and you are you, we're each individuals. But the truth is, at our core, the core of all souls, we are all really one. There's all really one soul that we are all part of. We're all really one and the same. When you look at another individual, it's not me and them, I and you, it's us. We are one. We're a single unit. All of us are a single person. We're all a single unit. That's why he says, if somebody hurts you, you say, I'm going to hurt them back. You know what that's like? If one hand hurt the other hand, the other hand says, I'm going to hurt the hand that hurt me. You're hurting yourself. So if an individual hurts you or insults you, you say, I'm going to get them back. They're me. We're all one. So if I get them back, I'm hurting myself. I'm not just hurting that other individual. So that's why you can never harm, you never harm another person because we're one. So that explains firstly why it's so important that we work on influencing others around us. And you can't say, I live my own life and let other people live each to their own. Let them live their own lives. We're all one and the same. If they are not living up to their potential, that's my problem. Because we're all deep down, we're all really one. Whatever they do, that's me. But it also means that if somebody needs help, I need to help them because they're an extension of me, that's me. If somebody needs to improve, it's not just their problem, it's my problem. I need to improve, we're all one. We're all in it together. It's not just another person we're trying to help. We're helping ourselves. So it's not just I should empathize and feel their pain or feel their struggles and feel their challenges. It's more than that. I am them. We're one and the same. And so their problems are my problems. Their challenges are my challenges. I need to work with them. We need to work together to try to improve ourselves because we are all truly one and the same. So using these two keys, not only do we influence, most importantly, we influence by example, but not only do we influence by example, we can also influence verbally or by action, taking action, by trying to actively make an impact on others. But with these two keys, we firstly do it by lifting people up, not by putting people down. It only works by raising people up, and secondly, by warming them up or by 
empathizing and feeling that it's my problem. It's not their problem. It's my problem. I really care. And when you show you really care, when you raise them up and you show you really care, that is how you influence people. Not by putting people down, not by telling people what to do, but by raising them up, praising them, and by showing that you truly, truly care. Now, sometimes it appears that some people might be, have gone very far. Some people may have gone, may not have a chance. They appear they've done a lot of bad. Maybe there's no way to help them. So in general, we believe in this, maybe some exceptions in the real worst of worst cases. But generally, for everyone who we come in contact with, um, we believe that everybody has a chance. Everybody can change. Everybody can improve. Everybody can be influenced. It's just a matter of finding and figuring out the right way to do it. And therefore, it is really important to make sure that we never give up on another person. Never say, oh, they are too far gone. They cannot be changed. They cannot, they cannot be influenced. Um, we should, nobody, should be, um, nobody should be written off. We can make an impact on anybody and everybody. Sometimes we try and we don't succeed. But then try again and try again and try again. And I've seen this many times where people whom um, I've tried to have an impact on and reached out to them time and again, and they either ignored me or rejected me or told me not to reach out to them. Um, but then with time, with time, they changed. With time, it, they did have an influence. Sometimes people tell me who ignore my calls or my texts, when I reach out to them to invite them to come or to get involved and they ignore me and then if I didn't text them or call them for a while they say how come you stopped calling me even though they or how come somebody who I know would um, was uh, was being asked by Rabbi Shlomo to put on tefillin regularly and they would always say no and then Rabbi Shlomo told me that one time he um, one time he, he stopped asking them they said how come you stopped asking me so we never know the influence that we're having on people. And sometimes you don't see it. It's very subtle, right? Sometimes it just takes time. And sometimes you don't even realize how you're influencing people. But by, most importantly, by our own actions, but also by our attempting to impact people. If we do slowly, we can make an impact on people. And slowly people will change. And if we're not influencing them, maybe we've got to change approach. We may be doing it wrong. We may not be doing it properly. Everybody can be influenced. In Proverbs it says, Kamayim hapanim lepanim kain lev ha'adam el ha'adam. As water reflects a face, so too is the heart of people. If you and our sages say words that come from the heart, enter the heart. If you really care and are really make a genuine attempt to make a difference, then that you will make a difference. You will make an impact. You don't always see it straight away. Sometimes it takes time. But if you genuinely care and you genuinely want to, or genuinely try to help somebody else, you will make an impact on other people. So in conclusion, we do have firstly an obligation 
to impact other people, and not only do we have an obligation to impact other people, um, we can and should impact other people, firstly, by example, and secondly, um, by actively trying to impact them, both by raising them up and by showing genuine care for other people.